0: Welcome to the Agora Fertility Journals, where we talk about empowering the freedom of reproductive choice for everyone. I'm Natalie Silverman, host of the Fertility Podcast, and the Agora invited me to visit them in Hove, where they support a wide range of individuals and couples on their route to parenthood with wisdom, compassion and honesty. This podcast series is all about their stories, dreams, and actual journeys to parenthood. The Agora Journals. I hope you enjoy them. In this episode, I spoke with ultrasonographer and expert on psychosexual issues, Jane Brooke. And we discussed some of the issues and struggles she has to address with her patients regarding examinations and the internal investigations.
1: My name's Jane Brooke. I am the Imaging Lead here at the Agora. Um, I do most of the scanning, um, and mostly what I do is scan. Um, I do gynecological scanning, I do obstetric scanning, so scanning of tiny fetuses, and um, I've been doing that for about 20 years.
0: One of the things that I was interested in understanding more about with you is the psychosexual issues that people might uncover when they walk through the clinic doors and they're, they're coming to see you. And I wondered if you could explain some of the issues that you have to address with your patients.
1: We have a lot of clients here who will have had previous examinations. So most of our NHS clients, and that's about a little bit more than half of of the people that we see, will have had transvaginal scans. So scan using a probe in the vagina or some kind of other um, examination with their doctor before they come to us that the other half of our client group might not have done. And even the ones who do um, come to us with that sort of experience are not always going to have divulged that they have an issue with those kind of examinations. Lots of ladies find um, any kind of speculum exam, um, smears, that kind of thing, uncomfortable, but there's a big difference between doing that once every three years and doing that every other day. And there's a lot of pressure here, there's a lot of emotional pressure, so it tends to be a bit of a tinderbox for problems they might have that suddenly come to the fore. And because it's a quiet room, and because I have experience as a midwife, I tend to talk to people a lot, and these things will come to the fore. So either they're an existing problem they know about, and we do have people who have those kind of issues, or they're someone, we have transgender clients here, so we know that that's likely to be an issue. But everything is individual. Every single person is an individual. And I like to look at every person's needs as individual to them. Mostly it's going to be pain with insertion of um, anything into the vagina, be it a penis, be it a probe, be it a speculum. Sometimes these are things they've had forever. Sometimes they're things that have happened because of an incident. We have lots of same-sex couples and not every same-sex couple will use vagina penetration as part of their sexual activity. So that's going to be another group. There are lots of things that can come up it's it's something that often only comes up as soon as you show them the probe and not everybody realizes that that is exactly what's going to happen
0: so at that point what what would normally happen would you stop and then you'd have a conversation about there being drugs that could be taken or it's counseling? part of every
1: sonographer's training and every midwife's training which is my basic training that you ask permission before you do any um transvaginal procedure so you're used to asking people whether or not... They, then you have to give them informed consent. And then I think as part of that, you have to make them aware that there are alternatives. You can go trans-abdominally. It's, it's not as easy. It's not as straightforward. There'll be other procedures down the line that require a transvaginal approach. But you can work around most things. And I think, as I've started to work with different client groups, I've been here about three years, you realise that so much of what we do is based on a premise that you will get access via the vagina... And that isn't necessarily a thing. We could do something different. We could try a different way. And I think with our transgender clients in particular and with the same-sex couples that I've started to work with so much here, you start to think differently and more widely. Can we look at it a different way? Can we take ourselves out of the rut that we're in and look at things differently?
0: And is that the research that... Yeah,
1: I have an interest in psychosexual medicine because I went to the, um, some Institute of Psychosexual Medicine seminars in London with uh, a, a colleague from way back um, who was running those at the time, um, Leila Fodgham. And because of that, I have ha- always had a real interest in it. Politically, it's very interesting for me because I think um, we make a lot of assumptions about women and how women function. Uh, I remember years back a doctor saying to me that, that no woman minded having a transvaginal scan, and everyone found it acceptable. And I thought, well, not in my experience. Um, there are the research is, is largely done on women who are going to obstetric units, so these women will already mostly have been having sex or having treatment using transvaginal scanning, and they're very motivated because they want to see their baby. That's not the same. And the women who we see here are often already struggling with feelings about how their body functions. And the last thing you want to do is to challenge them any more than they can cope with, with a repeated procedure that upsets them. And the research is not as specific as you would like. Um, it's because it's, it, nobody really seeks to address it. It's not something that is taught, I think, very well in teaching of sonography or, in fact, anything really to do with nursing. There is not anything very specific about what constitutes... Everyone talks about consent. What people don't talk about is when the patient is saying yes, but their body is saying no, absolutely not. And when do you stop? I think it takes a lot of experience and a lot of um, confidence to say, actually, I don't really mind what you're saying your body is saying no. So we need to think of something else.
0: So having worked, as you said, for the last three years mm. at the Agora, where there's a, a prominent LGBT yes. community, you've been exposed to more patients who might be having these types of issues, would you say? Do you think it's an issue of sonographers not having access to patients mm. who, or just not having the understanding? I think I
1: think there is probably only the same preponderance of people having difficulties with insertion of things into the vagina sexually or otherwise um, amongst same-sex couples as there is um, amongst opposite gender couples. I don't think it's specific to them. I think it's quite often, I think, our group here are quite politically aware that there is, that they have the option to say no. And also they come to us with a different point of view. And I feel quite strongly, if we're saying that people can achieve a family without having sex, then that should apply to everything and everybody if we can have a couple that you know a same-sex male couple who are having a baby then there must be a way that we can help a woman who can't tolerate something in her vagina have a baby that can't be beyond the realms of what we achieve there has to be a way um to, for people to achieve the kind of physical bodily autonomy that i think everyone has a right to and this is no exception
0: so just going back a step to what you were saying about the the trans-abdominal kind yes. of scans. Is that safe enough? Can you get enough? Is is that one of the things? It does
1: depend on, it depends a lot on physiology, depends on how, frankly, how much adipose tissue a patient has, how gassy their bowel is, how well filled their bladder is, where their uterus lies, how how their ovaries are, those kinds of things. They become significantly less important. You can do transvaginal scanning with people under heavy sedation and that mostly works, although I have to say in patients with really severe vaginismus, even then, even under heavy sedation, their body will still do the things it was doing before and that their muscles will contract and it will still be a problem. Um, But certainly there are ways around that later if that's less of an issue. When I was first scanning, transvaginal scanning was relatively new and not every doctor, not every radiologist did it. We have come to take it for granted that this is the gold standard and because it's easier and certainly the views of the ovaries are easier and the view of the lining is easier but it's not impossible and i think there are times when you could keep those things for for when it's more pivotal to care without making the assumption that we could do it every single time i wonder whether if we get to the point where it becomes where it has become the norm that people have less practice but because i'm so very old and i've been scanning so long it was routine for us when i started and i still do it now as a matter of course
0: what about the actual procedure if if we're talking about ivf Mm. um and egg collection yeah and embryo transfer yeah there's no way around that
1: no and we i mean embryo transfer we have had success with ladies who have issues with specula in particular where they have taken sedation at home coming with I the equivalent thereof. And we have managed to use a speculum. and They've had the, the transfer. We've found some interesting techniques. Lots of ladies have brought techniques of their own. If necessary, you can do these things under heavy sedation. Egg collection is always done under heavy sedation anyway. I mean, the biggest problem, really, I mean, RUI also is done with, with a speculum. It's the speculums often that are the problem. It's a different kind of procedure. When you're scanning transvaginally, almost everyone will say it's better than they expected. It doesn't hurt as much as they expected. And generally, people think that it's less awful than a smear test which is not to say that smear tests are awful but they generally it's graded like that I think the fact that you're not looking quite so closely at someone's genitals because actually you're looking at the screen the room is dark they are covered it takes a lot of that pressure off and people generally tend to get more used to it as time goes on but not everybody and for lots of people it's a trauma every time and it's that's difficult often for some of the more junior staff that if it's a trauma every time it's hard to cope with um, and I'm not sure that we give people uh, enough time and enough um, space to talk about the fact that they find it hard. That's the clients and the staff. Um, I think we need to stop making assumptions again about what we will accept or should be expected to accept.
0: Because as well as we've talked about certain groups, for example, lesbian women or even women who don't have of sex, there's unspoken issues that i know have come out regarding previous abuse yeah which could possibly have been completely closed yeah. until that point that is a whole new thing to have to kind of we're, we're not
1: psychosexual therapists i'm not a psychosexual therapist i don't have that kind of experience or that kind of qualification and i think if you're you're going to come to the point there is a big difference between us helping somebody on their journey through assistive fertility and somebody who is keen to address it for the rest of their life and going forward, I would love that to be a part of what we do here. And I think it's really important that fertility is looked at as part of a much bigger picture. However, there will be people for whom that is not something they are even vaguely going to entertain. They don't want to do it. They have no wish to do it in the future. And I think we should respect their wishes. But I think there is scope for a more integrated approach to anyone with a vagina, really, who wants wants to be able to have that kind of experience without it being upsetting every time. But there are things which we are not able to cope with because we just don't have the experience or the skills. Um, and we would seek to refer those ladies on and have done. And they have gone on to have successful pregnancies. So that's a, all a thing.
0: Which is reassuring for people to hear. Do you think that one of the takeaways to people listening to this that have had concerns about what we've been discussing is to not be afraid to voice it Absolutely. in the clinic because... There's no shame in it, no. and there is shame that no, no, people no, no. carry with this. It's isn't there? hugely
1: problematic, and I I do worry that people. There are quite clear questions on our questionnaire when people come to us. Have you ever had problems with penetrative sex? Have you ever had penetrative sex? Um, have you ever had problems with vaginal examinations? And people will say no, even even when there has been. And please just say because we can always make extra space, extra time, time to talk time for you to look over the equipment i've done this we sit and look at the equipment we look at how far it goes in we look at how it works we look at what bits we'll be looking at there's there is always a way we can always find a way we just have to find a path that may not be the path everyone takes but there is always a way we will find a way around it because the most important thing for us here is everyone who wants to gets a chance to have a family that's how we do it
0: We'd love to know what you think of this podcast series, so please do subscribe and rate and review us via your favourite podcast app. And if you visit bit.ly forward slash agorjourneys, you can give us your email so we can let you know when our next series is released and we can keep you up to date on our open evenings.